0: right. Decisions. That's right. Decisions. Every time I come into this place, it's decisions, (laughs) which is good because it feeds you too. All right. This is the Michael Slate Show and I'm Michael Slate. Now at the back end of the show, we're going to hear a couple of pieces from Bob Avakian, the chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party. And one of them is a clip that I've been wanting to play for quite some time. It's science versus conspiracy theories, fascist certitude and liberal paralysis. This is from the podcast, Emancipate Humanity, with Bob Avakian. You can access the podcast on, the, on your YouTube channel, The Revcoms. We're also going to be hearing Bob Avakian straight up on the revolution and the gangs, an excerpt from, the speech, from a speech by Bob Avakian, why we need an actual revolution and how we can really make revolution. Now, I want to say something just before we move on to the show itself today, that you know, people should be aware, of, just thinking about what we were just talking about um, what about Avakian and the revolution in gangs? And this is something I think it's really important for people to actually understand. Biden is planning a nationwide police offensive this summer. Biden's plan explicitly aims to increase the number of cops prowling city streets and neighborhoods as summer begins. When it, when it says cities typically experience a spike in violence. Now, this is actually very heavy for people to keep in mind. We are going to be following this as it develops, but I want people to keep this in mind, not just sort of fade off and go to sleep around all this. All right? So we really need we really need you to be part of what's going on in the future. And if you hear things that you think need to be covered by this show, call us up, write to us, let us know, because this is the kind of stuff that we really do need to do. We really need to do this. All right. So, um, as I said... At the back end of the show, we're going to be hearing a couple of pieces from Bob Avakian, the chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party, and one is is a clip that I've been waiting to play for a while. It's science versus conspiracy theories, fascist certitude, and liberal paralysis, and it's from the podcast Emancipate Humanity with Bob Avakian. You can access the podcast on on the YouTube channel, The Revcoms. And we're also going to hear Bob Avakian straight up on the revolution and the gangs, an excerpt from the speech by Baba Vakin, why we need an actual revolution and how we can really make revolution. And I just want people to hear that again so that we can actually be all on the same, all on the same, basically, all on the same journey when we get into this, right? And opening the show up today, though, we'll be talking to Murtaza Hussein and Murtaza, I'm going to have to beg, beg my pardon on that, right? Murtaza Hussain is a reporter at The Intercept who focuses on national security and foreign policy. And we're, talking about, we're going to be talking about a recent article, Scientific American Retracted Pro-Palestine Articles Without Any Factual Errors. Murtaza, welcome to the show. Well,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Sure. Um, well, let's jump into this, man. I mean, it's, to me, you know, when I first saw this, I sort of, it, it it jolted me, you know, and, and I'm not somebody who's like, you know, sort of just sort of only halfway there, not following what's going on. But what you revealed is something that's very, very important. I think so too many people don't know about it. And I found it really important that what you did actually came out here. So I wanted to ask you now, what's going on here? You know, you've, you've, you've actually put out a lot of stuff about the, the danger of what's going on today in relation to the Palestinian people, in relation to what's going on in society in general. But let's talk about this. What's going on here? What led to the upheaval surrounding what would normally be a routine thing?
1: Uh, yeah, so, you know, just to give some background, there was an article published in Scientific American, which is a uh, known to be the, the oldest most continuously uh, published uh, magazine in the U.S., uh, it was written by a group of healthcare professionals and it was in the context of the recent uh, Israel-Palestine conflict in the Gaza Strip and effectively, um, you know, the story by these healthcare professionals across the U.S. was raising awareness about the impact of Israeli bombardment on the health system in Gaza and how it was exacerbating also the COVID-19 pandemic and furthermore, you know they made some call in support of the boycott divestment and sanctions movement. Now this was published as an opinion piece an op-ed in Scientific American. and it was up for about you know just under two weeks. And then there was this campaign after this publication its publication of call for censorship and for it to be cancelled, and Scientific American ultimately, you know, in response to this pressure, Uh, appeared to bow down and uh, had the article pulled from the site. So, you know, really it was just a very egregious example of uh, censorship and suppression of free speech. And, you know, what some people refer to as cancel culture, I find that the the Palestinian issue in the United States is a preeminent free speech crisis in the country.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, before we get into that, which I do want to get into because I think I really fully agree with that, you know, there was an aspect of this that I think people need to know about, too, which is, you know, when you, and some of the stuff that you read or that you wrote about, you know, there is the point that this was a humanitarian crisis that was, was happening to the Palestinian people, and it was a crisis that was spurred on by, surprise, Israel.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's, a, you know, there's an ongoing uh, blockade of Gaza over many, many years now, and of course results in a economic depression and the deprivation of various critical goods and services. And you know, part of that is the degradation of the healthcare system there. And during the most recent war between Israel and the Palestinians, there were many doctors actually killed, uh, or a, quite a few doctors actually killed, including the head of internal medicine at the, one of the major hospitals in Gaza, the Gaza Strip, who was helping lead the COVID nineteen response. So it's already a very impoverished and deprived part of the world, most densely populated place in the world, under. Full blockade by the Israeli military for over a decade, and it's COVID is rampant, and you know doctors are being killed. There's uh, medical facilities being damaged, uh, deprivation of critical services exacerbated by the war. So this is a very serious issue, which you know is of course of interest and relevance to healthcare professionals writing in a scientific journal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk talk about that because it's sort of that's sort of the the big the big theme in terms of people that are actually looking for the, the truth about what's been happening here. And you make the point that's around doctors and healthcare workers decided that they should write an article as part of standing with the with the helping the Palestinian people. And that's really that's a that's a critical stand to be taking in the world today. That's something that actually, if you take it. You're going to get hit hard by the, all the forces that are out there enforcing it. And if you don't take it, you're going to stand with them, which makes it even worse. And I thought it was really important what you talked about in terms of, you know, look, this is this humanitarian crisis, what it is, and it's spurred by Israel. There's no sense in, in hiding from what's going on. It's actually spurred by Israel. And it makes and it, like a lot of stuff that happens in the Middle East there's the Israelis working hand-in-hand with the the U.S. and what they intend to and want to do to the area. And I think it'd be really important to to sort of tell people about that because it's not just that there was a humanitarian crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis that was, in fact, spurred by a a state that actually has no interest in the survival or the existence of the Palestinian people.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's the whole conflict, the whole... The situation cannot be divorced from the broader context of the conflict that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm.
0: It's
1: a, definitely a product of it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me this. Doctors and healthcare workers, they decided that they should write an article as part of standing with the, the and helping the Palestinian people. That's something I haven't seen before, and it may be just my lack there. But let's talk about that, because I wanted to talk with you about what happened. But also, there's something very new and very important about that, and I think it, people need to know about it.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, uh, there was a study, an article published in the Lancet, which is a major medical journal in 2017, uh, which is something similar to that. But, you know, it's just a, it's a reflection of general change in sentiments publicly in the U.S., which is happening. Uh, we see it reflected in polls, and it's uh, in many ways a generational shift in how people view this issue. But, uh, you yeah, know, I think that uh, there's a lot more skepticism and criticism of Israeli actions in the U.S. than there had been in decades past. And we're seeing this reflected in the various sections of society, including, you know, the scientific community, the medical community. Uh, it's viewed as a general social justice issue, alongside others. So uh, people have more of a willingness to speak out about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's important too because it's a because it's people having a willingness to speak out about it, but also to put their to put their bodies in there and what they're doing, in that same in that same you know basic basic place, you know, because it's sort of it's very. It's very heavy when you look at like how how much is amped up against and is you know laying laying down on a lot of the, the the people that we're talking about in terms of you know the, the Palestinian people and what and their fight to, to to survive in this country. I mean it really is to me. I you know I used to think lived in the Bay Area for a while and knew a lot of people that were Palestinians, that were very active. But at the same time and they were very you know but they they could never they could never just rest because there was always that thing of what, what was what was lying behind them, what stood in front of them as a threat and behind them as a threat. And I think that still exists very much so today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely those issues are still ongoing as you said. And uh you know, it's just a it's a important issue, and it's uh, become more, it's treated as the extension of U.S. domestic politics, which in some sense is uh, really changes the dynamic and makes the U.S. a critical player in what happens there. So uh, the way that people talk about this or discuss this here, it has a very significant trickle-down and downstream effects in the actual region.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and the problem is that the, the, the kinds of attack that people are talking about is that there's people are, people are speaking out for a particular reason. You know, this, this whole point about Palestine, you know, and what's happening there, right? That's, and, and there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions out there, I think. You know, there's a lot of lies that have gone out. There's a lot of stuff that the U.S. has done to sort of paint the Palestinian people as the agents of evil, you know, and, and if there were people like you. Who refused to do that? Who who basically said, "No, I'm going to st- take a stand on here." Why? Did, what 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 makes you different?
1: Uh, well, you know, it's not really about me per se, but uh, you know, effectively, it's just that uh, you know I like said Palestinians were very demonized in the U.S. for many many years, and unfortunately, I think that was because of the fact that they lacked access to media to tell their own side of the story and talk about their narrative and. Let people know who they are and that they're just ordinary people who would want the same things that everyone else in the world wants. But now that there's been a decentralization of media and, you know, social media and uh, proliferation of content online, no longer able, people know without them having the ability to talk back or at least have their own narrative be part of the discussion. And now that people are hearing their narrative, many of them find it quite compelling. And they see that, uh, you know, there's a much more complicated story than Americans have been led to believe what the subject and we're seeing that uh, reflect now in opinion polls and in uh, how politics generally is shifting as a result mm-hmm.
0: you know one of the things that somebody mentioned to me as I was preparing for this, they mentioned that the you know the the problem in all this is that the kinds of attacks on people speaking out for Palestine, which is this there are people who are speaking out for Palestine, and they're you know they are being attacked and the the fact that it works in some situations, people are afraid to speak out. That's what happens, you know, and you think about that. There's a lot of people who will just turn their head or say, yeah, I know it's horrible, but you know, what can you do? You know, you just got to move along. Everybody went through this and there were, you know, and there were folks that you, in fact, yourself contacted who said that they couldn't talk about what's going on with the Palestinian people and this country.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. the article was pulled because of, of that reason that, there's pressure from the publication, you know, there are people who read it, or perhaps it and perhaps, and the result in being told, but, you know, look, it's, uh, it's uh, they can only do that for so long, and, uh, you know, the more that you have to do that, the more that's a kind of a sign of weakness, and a shift of uh, discussion generally, so I'm not too concerned, of why I'm concerned, about, it, but I think that I'm optimistic, in the future, there will be, there will be a better, uh, more uh, free discourse on the subject and it won't be possible to shut down every every instance of uh, someone saying something positive about the Palestinians.
0: Yeah, although it is, you know, here's, here's the thing. I would say to you, be careful how much you depend on walking down that street because the Palestinian people, you know, I think um, I've covered a lot around the Palestinian people over the last 20, 25 years. And one of the things that I came to understand very deeply is that the Palestinian people live... At the threat of just, you know basically being being just outed from the universe, you know it 's sort of like they don't exist first they, there is no such thing as the Palestinian people I mean you know you, th- you see these things that come up with the Israelis is there is no Palestine there are no Palestinian people you know there's all this stuff that actually keeps coming out and the Palestinian people their bravery is phenomenal, but they they're, 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 they're desire and their push to keep on fighting for what's just and what they know is real and and it's not just for themselves it is for themselves but there's also an element of people need to see how this is all happening and what do you got to do in the face of that when it is happening
1: yeah absolutely absolutely uh look it's just an ongoing it's a bit generational and uh, struggle for people and then uh you know, just to pay attention to what's going on and be informed and to try to make some sort of positive impact. And it's one of those areas where, you know, Americans, the opinion of Americans is quite relevant because they pour a lot of money and political capital into shaping the environment in that region. And, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, we can't look away from.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about this because there's something that we, we're, we're saying that I'm, and it's probably my fault, but we're kind of going around too because there's something central to this. And, you know... This thing was, you know, it was pitched to Scientific American. There was a thing that, the, that was going out to basically portraying the Palestinian people and their lives. And it was pitched to, to, to Scientific American. And that Scientific American actually accepted it. And it ran as a health care workers. As healthcare care workers, we stand in solidarity with, the Pal- with Palestine, which was an extremely important thing to be out there. And that was something that, that people just put in. And then, and they probably, to some extent, thought, well, it's not going, it's not going to be that, you know, sort of dangerous to put it in. It's not going to be that, you know, something that's going to sort of wrap up the, you know, the, everything we do. But actually, um, the article itself kind of disappeared. What happened? What was the article and what uh, happened? Well-
1: uh, well, I think I explained the start of the call, but basically, it was an uh, article by a group of healthcare professionals about the situ- healthcare situation in Gaza, and then you know they published it. But then there was backlash from people who were, didn't like what was published there, and pressure on the publication, and then they ended up retracting it.
0: Mm-hmm. But it was also, but that that thing about the people who did that—I mean, the editor—you know, this is the thing, right? It's not just some schmo, right? It's the editor of Scientific American who basically, you know. The, what the, what the hell happened? I mean, that was that was approved, and then what the hell happened? There's no response to it. There's none of that. You know, and it's what made that article... What I, it would be really important for people to s- understand what happened there, but also what made the article so dangerous in the eyes of Scientific American in terms of its content or what?
1: I think they were fine with the content. The thing that they didn't like was the fact that they got this pushback and people were complaining about it. Then, you know, they effectively, you know, because of this pushback, they... Didn't like the fact that they were self threatened by people not liking the publication or essentially threatening their funding or something like that. So that that's really it was not so much the content itself, but the uh, the fear of the consequences.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to me, me too because I when some of the stuff that I was reading, it was very heavy about this. How about the editor of Scientific American giving no response? What was made? What what was it that made the article so dangerous? Which I again. We, we we could argue or or discuss about you know what was actually going on, but there is something that's very important for people to understand, which is that what whatever happened, it was made the article it made the article so dangerous in the eyes of Scientific American that that they basically dropped it. I mean, they didn't say, oh well, you know, we didn't like your spelling. We don't like we we just found out that that's something that you know it's so past it's so yesterday we don't need to do this. They actually dropped this, and it was and to me it seems like he. If you've asked and you've 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 you know brought into being the 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 thing originally, and you know what what it's going to be, to step up then and say, well, you know, <laughs> we don't really like it that much, so we're not going to run it, you know. And they, and basically they did pull it, right? I mean, there's a whole mail exchange that makes it clear that there were no factual errors in the, in the thing that was, you know, there was all the stuff. It was basically it it was done by a very conscious you know, somebody very consciously doing it.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, they pulled it. Uh, they pulled it because they didn't like the emails they are getting saying people threatening that uh, they didn't like the publication or they wanted to support it or saying that it was supporting terrorism. That's, that's why they pulled it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, what's ironic there, too, though, is that the, the very same people who are talking about they didn't like what was being said are, you know, I mean, they, they basically have, in my mind, okay, in my mind, they do have a fascist, you know, leaning in a fascist—you know—basically thing that's going on here. It's, it's it's very very important. It's very important. There's a whole you know, th- th- there's a whole history of the kind of you know thing that where the where the Zionists actually load up with one another and how they're out there. You know, when it's posted online, uh, there's a price to pay. You know, and, and anti-Semitism and terrorism labels um, get you know have this whole thing going on. There's an actually there's a there's a a way that all of this gets brought together and then. Is aimed at hitting, at, aimed at hitting the uh, the Palestinian people, and it's and it may and people may not even think that initially that that's what they're doing, but actually, you know, all these people who may have been interested, may have been been looking at it when it first began, they turn around and they say, well, I don't know if this is you know because there's a certain amount that that <laughs> the Zionists can get by on and the U.S. that runs with them that they can get by on set, doing this and saying that it was okay. Now, before you answer that though, I want to let people know. That uh, they can find your writing and what you, and and that you uh, that you've been working on. So why don't you tell us right now, so we don't forget it when we're getting along the way. What's your contact on social media?
1: Oh, you can follow me on social media at Twitter at uh, Nas M Hussein M A Z M H U S S A I N. That's where most of my
0: stuff is. Okay, all right, great. Now let's so let's get back on this then, um, because again there was that you know, and it's, it's something that really bugs the hell out of me because. You know, you can see people making mistakes. You can see people, you know, doing whatever. But when you have something like Scientific American that actually has, you know, basically wanted to take out this book. You know, they wanted to, they, they wanted to actually get this. They wanted to actually get this, this whole, you know, idea out here. They wanted to talk about what was going on. And yet there was something that just made them back down. And that's very, very dangerous. If you look at, at at what's actually happening in the world today, when it's, when you know, there's something posted in, in, on online, and, and as a there's that there's just a price to pay, you know, and they're talking about anti-Semitism and terrorism labels. So, so uh, editorial as basically, just things that sort of run of the mill. And you know, we're sitting here, and I know for me, I'm no, I'm thinking about you know, <laughs> what actually happened if you if you look at this. There's a lot of hell going on, a lot of hell rising, raising going on. And it actually isn't going to just be, you know, sort of, well, you got to live with it. It's actually stuff that's going to make a difference. It's going to have an impact on people and on people who were basically, I mean, <laughs> damn, let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, you're talking about something that's that should be, it's scientific American, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, you're talking about that and it's kind of very, very heavy to just let it keep rolling like that. And I think it's really important that too many people do let it roll, roll like that. And I know you had have some thoughts about that in terms of this is actually, this is something that should not be allowed to just sort of determine the, 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 the way things are.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It was wrong for the poet. It was uh, very disturbing.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me, I think I have one more question for you, maybe two, but... Um... Basically, when you talked about so all these other, you know, there was all the stuff that happened. And, and people should know that the Scientific American editor, um, basically, Scientific American just disappeared. You know, that article just disappeared. It no longer existed. And nobody really, there was not a hellraiser about it. There was nothing else going on around this. But there's actually, you know... <laughs> Things the things kept happening to people, like the authors of the article. They kept getting medical professionals hate mail. They, they kept getting hate mail and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there was a retraction of the article and ongoing harassment, uh, ongoing harassment campaign. And they were targeting reputations of people who stepped up around this. And I think in the interests of you know we have we're going to have to run. Uh, <laughs> basically move on in a, in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to see what you, you thought about all that because it wasn't just sort of, it happened, let's forget about it. It happened and it's changed the whole part of the way people perceive of Palestine, the Palestinian people, fascism, all this other stuff. And it seemed to me, there's there's a, there's a very troubling acceptance of what happened here that we're not paying enough attention to.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it a controversy, basically. Like, uh, I think a lot of people maybe didn't know what happened until there were some other publications about it, by the Intercept and a few other places. But uh, you know, it's uh, disturbing. But I, I think that in the long term, it won't be sustainable. To continue doing this. I think there's definitely a shift happening in terms of uh, public tolerance for for this type of uh, this type of uh, uh, you know censorship and uh, suppression of free speech on the subject.
0: All right, is there anything you'd like to join as we uh, be, as, before we go out?
1: Uh, no, I, I think that uh, we covered the gist of it, I think that uh, it's important just to keep in mind that, you know, effectively, you know, this is a free speech issue, and there's a lot of debates about free speech and the uh, limits of expression in the U.S., but as you can see, it was scientific American, this was, you know, an issue of what we call cancel culture, and for those who are very serious about the subject and, want to uh preserve free speech in the US ostensibly, this is a, a great opportunity to uh raise awareness as you did in the show.
0: All right. All right, I want to thank you very much, Murtaza. And we'll stay in touch, man. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take okay. care, man. Take care. All right. You're listening to the Michael Slate show, and we are someone is, is pointing something to me and I don't I can't quite make it out because there's about eight miles between me and them. Okay. Anyway, um Check this check this out. It's a very important article. It's a very important article that you can find. Um, and really, it's one of those things that um, you don't want to just pass by. It's, it involves the living, the living, the, the survival of a whole, whole grouping of people, a whole nationality of people. People who are only seeking a way to live. Their own country has been destroyed by US imperialism. Um, by <laughs> Zionism, all of these things that are going on that, you know, that, and, and they have come to different places for, for shelter. And what they get is they get baby Nazis unleashed against them. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about. All right. I guess what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick musical break and we're going to be, and then we'll be coming back, but I want to see, I think it's a quick musical break we're going to take right now. Is that right? All right. So we're going to take a quick musical break and be right back. So stay tuned.
2: I'm exhausted, last night I couldn't sleep, but when I did I could hear bombs in my dreams Nightmare situation, how could they be so evil, making mortars out of children and innocent people We expect the bombs not knowing where next, in the corner of my room Trying to protect my little brother, as the building shakes like it's possessed But nothing stronger than the will of the oppressed I bomb back with my lyrics and rhymes Living the times trying to break the Palestinian minds What's hiding in the clouds hanging over my head? My dad risks his life outside to buy bread The fourth war in my twelfth year At this stage I'm numb though I have feel scared There's nothing I can do in this case to stay safe I'm brave even though this house could be in my grave I want freedom for the population Two million prisoners living in this location Shouting at the wall but nothing is ever changing That's life under an occupation I want freedom for the population Two million prisoners living in this location Shouting at the wall but nothing is ever changing That's life under an occupation Mothers mourn, fighting with grief White sheets covered by this death. Lie on the streets build Things turn to ash, but my mind is made of steel So it doesn't take much for me to heal Won't lose the will to live or lose our minds My auntie lost her home, so she lost her life But she is still alive, but traumatized By the bombs that flew in and dropped that night My sister couldn't sleep, tried to stop her cries I said it was fireworks, I was telling her lies Where's the compassion? This is heartless It's like they want us all living in darkness Cutting off water and electricity for hours They're knocking towers, but that's not knocking the power that I have in my pen When I'm writing, I'm unstoppable The microphone is the only escape possible Cause that's the way that I can speak my mind I wonder how does the fighter pile asleep at night Knowing he can turn the city upside down All of a sudden slaughtering families with the push of a button I want freedom for the population. Two million prisoners living in this location. Shouting at the wall, but nothing is ever changing. death life under an occupation. I want freedom for the population. Two million prisoners living in this location. Shouting at the wall, but nothing is ever changing. That's life under an occupation.
0: Alright, now that is a damn good song. Alright? And that's uh, from M.C. Abdul, all right? All right, that was M.C. Abdul with Shouting at the Wall. And I forgot to mention this, but the artist you just heard is 12 years old, okay? You got that? He's 12 years old. That's right. He's 12, and he's already a musical genius, all right? And he knows some good stuff to put down for people to actually feel the reality of the system and standing up against it. Now, we're going to hear Baba Vakian. And he'll be, it's a piece he did with Bob Avakian, straight up on the revolution and the gangs. It's an excerpt from the speech, why we need an actual revolution and how we can really make revolution. And I'm playing this piece because of all the headlines that I've been seeing. All right. Right now, there are a lot of oppressed people in the U.S. who are killing each other. And the powers that be from, yes, Biden on down are saying the need for more police is a result. Uh, as a result, they're saying that they need more police as a result of all this, all right? So this is BA digging into why this happens and what the solution is, check this out. It has been raised that when how we can win
3: insist that the authority people look to cannot be those who turn people against each other when they need to be uniting for this revolution. It is talking about gangs among others. Well, in making this revolution, We are not going out to make an enemy out of the gangs. We are working to win people to revolution and to build up the forces for this revolution in line with what is concentrated in the points of attention for the revolution, to put an end to everything that enslaves and degrades people, including all the conditions that have led to the creation of gangs in the first place and the situation where so many of our youth are fighting and killing each other and let everyone decide where they stand in relation to this revolution that we are working for. But we need to struggle hard against the way of thinking that says it's everybody for themselves, and you got to do what you got to do to get over on everybody else and get big bank and have lots of property, including turning women into property. All of this is just an imitation of the outlook of the oppressor. And it is a big part of what has kept masses of people oppressed and degraded for so long. Once again, all played out, calls it out. (laughs) I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. That craziness about being like Scarface, acting without a trace of humanity, plundering and violating without remorse, Killing and dying for no good purpose. Give it up, it's...
0: All they
3: In thinking about people who've gotten into the life, often from a very early age, I'm reminded of the lines in a song from back in the day by the R&B group The Whispers. Seems like I gotta do wrong, gotta do wrong, gotta do wrong. Before they notice me. Well, f*** they. (laughs) To invoke a statement by Frederick Duggars from the days of slavery that very well captures the truth today, they are guilty of crimes that would disgrace a nation of savages for revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without a rival. All this relates to what I said in an appeal to those the system has cast off. Raise your sights above the degradation and madness, above the individual battle to survive and to be somebody on the terms of the imperialists, of fouler, more monstrous criminals than mythology has ever invented or jails ever held. Become a part of the human saviors of humanity, the gravediggers of this system, and the bearers of the future communist society. In opposition to those who mislead the people, the authority of the revolution and its leadership can be extended and strengthened as it brings to light through scientific analysis What is really going on in all the major events in society in the world, and where the fundamental interests of the masses of humanity actually lie, and as it mobilizes increasing numbers of people to fight for those fundamental interests. But building up this revolutionary authority will not happen automatically. It too must be consistently worked for and vigorously fought for as a concrete goal an important part of carrying out the three prepares. You go out and you talk to people about revolution, and they say they don't want to hear that. You tell them to quit opening their mouth and letting the oppressor come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> this basic guideline is set forth in how we can win. We need to approach everything, evaluate every political program and every organized force in society, every kind of culture, values, and ways of treating people according to how it relates to the revolution we need. A revolution to do what? To end all oppression. Here again is the importance of the points of attention for the revolution and winning more and more people to uphold live by and fight for this in building the revolution we need to end all oppression. We need to combine a firmness of principle and unwavering grip on the strategic goal of revolution with a broadness of mind and generosity of spirit. We need to work with many different kinds of people in building resistance against the crimes of the system while keeping our eye clearly on the prize of revolution and struggling in a good way to win people from all parts of society to active involvement in positive support for or at least friendly neutrality towards this revolution. How we can win puts it in basic terms. We should unite with people whenever we can and struggle with them whenever we need to to advance the revolution. And it gives a sense of the breadth of people that should be involved in this revolution. People in the inner cities and in the prisons, students, scholars, artists, lawyers, and other professionals, youth in the suburbs and rural areas, people in all parts of society need to know about this and seriously take it up.
0: All right, that was Bob Avakian. We're going to take a quick musical break and be right back, so stay tuned. going to hear uh, a thing called science versus conspiracy theories, fascist certitude and liberal paralysis. This is also from Avakian, and it's from the podcast Emancipate Humanity with Bob Avakian. Sisters and brothers, you've got to pick this one up, all right? You, ne- you really got to sit down and listen to this because you don't get this stuff anywhere else. And I really think it's the most important thing you can be listening to today. All right, so check this out. Conspiracy theories fascist certitude,
3: liberal paralysis, or a scientific approach to changing the world. Longer version, the truth elaborated. The coronavirus crisis has brought home very sharply the importance of science, the scientific method and approach to understanding and changing the world. But there is a big problem in how people have been trained and conditioned to think or not think. Even as people in the medical field are proceeding on the basis of a scientific approach, and in the context of this coronavirus crisis, liberals are insisting that it is vitally important now to listen to the scientists. For far too long, many liberals and progressives have allowed themselves to become paralyzed by relativist agnosticism, lacking and often even rejecting the very idea of certitude with ridiculous notions like, how can you know what is really true? No one can say that their truth is greater than someone else's truth, and so on. Meanwhile, fascist forces, marked by a truly dark-ages mentality and firmly convinced of the truth of all manner of lunatic conspiracy theories promoting fascist values and objectives, are eagerly embracing callous Philistinism, willfully rejecting critical thinking, smugly ignoring, defying, and denigrating science and the scientific method. Put another way, in terms of major trends in society as a whole, those who have the most certitude are those most out of touch with reality. Further complicating the situation, and an additional dimension to this problem, is the fact that although they do not share but strongly oppose the values and objectives of the fascists, Many of the basic masses who are bitterly oppressed under this system also are suspicious of and even are inclined to reject science and scientifically grounded analysis. But this also leaves you vulnerable to all kinds of unfounded conspiracy theories and other wrong and harmful ideas, including the notion that nothing people do will make a difference because it's all in God's hands. The answer to all this is not giving up on understanding reality or simply believing what sounds like it makes sense or what is said by someone you know or what gives you comfort, at least for a while. The truth of something does not depend on who says it or how it makes you feel. Because something comes from a source you like does not make it true. And because something comes from a source you do not like does not make it untrue. And truth is not a popularity contest because a lot of people believe something does not make it true and because only a few people believe something does not make it untrue. Truth is objective, which means whether something is true or not depends on whether it corresponds to actual reality. On some levels, the truth of things is obvious. For example, the truth that if it is raining hard and you are exposed to the rain for any length of time, you will get wet. But there are deeper levels to things, and the truth about them is more complex and requires more developed knowledge. For example, what causes rain? Why is it raining where you are and not somewhere else? And so on. But in all cases, on all levels, the fact remains, whether something is true or not, depends on whether it corresponds to actual reality. To sort out what is false from what is true, and to stand on solid ground in in terms of understanding things, you need the scientific method and approach to reality. And yes, scientifically grounded certitude, where such certitude can and must be established. Science is not another dogma another untested and unproved set of beliefs. It is the opposite of that. Conclusions based on the application of the scientific method are obviously important, but science is not just some collection of conclusions, and still less is it a set of precepts which are not drawn from reality and are out of keeping with reality, or which once reflected reality but have become frozen and ossified and no longer correspond to a changing reality. Science is above all and most essentially a method. In this regard, the following from an interview with Ardeus Skybreak, a professionally trained scientist and an advocate of the new communism as a further advance in the science of revolution, is very relevant. So I think it might be worth starting a little bit by talking about what is science, to demystify it a little bit. I mean science deals with material reality, and you could say that all of nature and all of human society is the province of science. Science can deal with all of that. It's a tool, science, a very powerful tool. It's a method and approach for being able to tell what's true, what corresponds to reality as it really is. In that sense, science is very different than religion or mysticism or things like that, which try to explain reality by invoking imaginary forces and which provide no actual evidence for any of their analyses. By contrast, science requires proof. It requires evidence. It is an evidence-based process. That's very important. Science is an evidence-based process. If you don't judge things by whether there is compelling evidence for them, and if you don't evaluate what people claim, by weighing in against what the evidence shows about the actual reality, you can end up believing almost anything. Or as Skybreak puts it, without science you are at the mercy of being manipulated, of having your thinking manipulated, and not being able to tell what's right from what's wrong, what's true from what's false. And, whether you're talking about the material reality of a disease of a natural ecosystem, or of a social system that human beings live under, science allows you to analyze its components, its history, how it came to be the way it is, what it's made of, what are its defining characteristics and underlying contradictoriness, and we'll come back to that, and therefore also, what is the basis for it to change or to be changed if your intent is to change it. Whether you want to cure a disease or make a better society, You need that scientific, evidence-based process. Skybreak emphasizes the point that science is not mysterious, but is something that anyone can learn and apply. She also speaks to the contradiction that sometimes people are turned off to science, partly because they have been given the wrong sense of what science is. And another reason people are sometimes turned off by science is because there has been bad science. Sometimes in the course of history, science has been used to promote the idea that some races are inferior to other races. Well, that's junk science. In fact, you can use rigorous scientific methods to prove that that was all bad science. It's not just morally bad. It is that, but it's also scientifically bad. It's completely false, and you can use good science to prove that. As I have put it, in line with the essential point made by Skybreak, it is the good science, the scientific method and approach of proceeding from the evidence about reality to understand how reality actually is, why it is the way it is, and how it is changing and could be changed further that we need to consistently apply if we want to transform the world to uproot oppression and exploitation. Consistently applying a scientific method following the truth wherever it leads. Far too often, and with no small amount of irony, educated middle-class liberals, progressives, and the woke act as if they are asserting some profound truth when they reject the very notion of truth and decry and denounce as dogmatic or even tyrannical those who say that they have arrived at certain definite truth. But once again, opposing the scientific method and approach And denying the possibility of arriving at important truths by applying this method and approach can only lead to bad, sometimes extremely bad, results, leaving people weighed down by all kinds of ignorance and prejudice, depriving people of the ability to understand and change the world in a fundamentally positive direction. And is this approach of denying the possibility or desirability of knowing the truth and denouncing those who say they have brought forward definite, important truths? Is this really valid and viable, something people can or should stick with? When, for example, Jonas Salk announced that he had finally developed a vaccine to deal with the terrible disease polio, should the response actually have been to be suspicious of this claim and reject it without even looking into it, and to criticize or even ostracize Salk for having the nerve to claim that he had arrived at an important truth, an understanding of the disease polio and how to combat it? Should people actually respond in that way if or when a vaccine is developed for COVID-19? Examples of this kind could be cited almost endlessly. As I have emphasized, speaking to what is a fundamental epistemological principle of the new communism, the truth is an actual correct reflection of reality, including in its motion and development. And of course, it is true that nobody can ever have all of the truth. That's part of understanding reality correctly, part of the scientific method. But it is true that you can come to definite and definitive determinations about the reality of many particular things, even while you always have to be open to learning more and to the possibility that some of what you thought to be true may not turn out to be true or new developments occur which mean that the world has changed in such a way that your understanding has to be modified. That's all part of the scientific method as well. When we talk about the truth, we're not talking about the truth as an absolute and final truth, but we are also not talking about a narrative. We're talking about a scientific approach to understanding reality and then, on that basis, transforming it. And the scientific approach to that process of analyzing and synthesizing reality can come to important definitive conclusions, even as this is an ongoing process which is never complete because you can never grasp all of reality, including because it's constantly changing and because there will always be aspects of reality that human beings will not even have penetrated at any given time, let alone come to understand. There is a definite connection between the relativism and agnosticism of far too many educated middle class liberals and their reluctance, if not stubborn refusal, to recognize the fascist danger posed by the Trump-Pence regime for what it is and what is required in the face of this, which is a determined struggle against this fascism. A struggle that does not rely or depend upon the mainstream section of the ruling class as represented by institutions like the Democratic Party and the system they serve, which has given rise to this fascism, out of whose basic contradictions this fascism has arisen as an attempt at a resolution of these contradictions within the confines of this system and in the most extreme terms. Even more fundamentally, there is a definite connection between the relativism and agnosticism of such liberals and their resistance or stubborn refusal to apply a consistently scientific evidence-based approach and on this basis to follow the truth wherever it leads, particularly when it comes to historical, social, and political questions because where it leads is to demolishing cherished illusions and prejudices of liberals regarding the actual role of this great American democracy throughout its history and throughout the world, the actual nature of the system we live under, capitalism, imperialism, and the actual experience of revolutionary struggle against this system, and more particularly, the experience of the communist movement and the socialist societies it has brought into being. It is in deeply engaging these questions and drawing from many different dimensions of human experience, that I have brought forward a new communism, which is a continuation of, but also represents a qualitative leap beyond, and in some important ways a break with, communist theory as it had been previously developed, and which has put communism on an even more consistently scientific basis, providing the strategy and leadership for an actual revolution and a radically new society on the road to real emancipation. In regard to all this, it is worth repeating the very important point emphasized by Ardea Skybreak. Whether you want to cure a disease or make a better society, you need that scientific, evidence-based process. And specifically in terms of making a better society, in opposing the fascism of the Trump-Pence regime, and even more fundamentally, and making a radical leap beyond this capitalist imperialist system, which has given rise to this fascism, and bringing into being a far better world, you need the scientific method
0: and approach of the new communism. All right. That was Bob Avakian, and that brings us to the end of another show. I'd really like to thank everyone who helped uh, with this show this week, did this today, and you can write to me at mslate at com. And uh, basically, look, let me know what you're thinking and how, how things are going to you know, take hold for you and what you're thinking about what's happening. Don't forget what's supposed to be happening during the summer this year, which with the, the, Biden, the Biden troopers coming up and they're, they're you know, planning on a nationwide police offensive. We'll be following that as it develops. And I want to thank again, thank each of you for being here. And we will come back next week. And if you want to write to me, you can at mslate.com. At the Michaelslateshow.com. That's once again, that's mslate at the Michaelslateshow.com. And we're going to go out now with Neil Young and Mother Earth. And believe me, we better start thinking about all that because Mother Earth may just be a beat up old rock by the time these people were through with it. So talk to you again next week.